everybody, and welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, recruiting, and more. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is on the phone lines with me. As always, you can read our stories at themichiganinsider.com, 247sports.com slash Michigan. Michigan football coming off of a bye week, and they're going to take on number 14, Penn State. Based on every way you rank teams, this is going to be their toughest challenge since Notre Dame. So, so big game, big game. But, but you know, as we'll talk about, the Wolverines have have shown their mettle a little bit in their in their self-proclaimed revenge tour, and we can kind of jump into that right now. Steve and I got into a little bit of a debate about this. Uh, got some other topics uh, for those that ask recruiting questions. No recruiting questions this week. They have a big visit weekend. Uh, obviously, a big opportunity for them to show off to recruits as well. But we'll talk about kind of what happened this weekend after it happens, rather than than conjecture that that might not come to fruition or things like that. That we did that for Wisconsin. People seemed happy with that. So no recruiting questions. But we'll have some Penn State preview. We'll have some other topics to discuss. But tonight, Tuesday night, if you're listening on Wednesday, apologies. We'll try to keep this as relevant or time insensitive as possible. The college football playoff rankings are out. I'm guessing Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame will take the top three spots. Although it's possible Notre Dame, maybe they don't have the resume. Uh, the college football playoff rankings, a little different than the polls in that they seem to have a little bit more of an emphasis on the best team. That's their stated emphasis. But we've seen teams that have lost in the past, you know, that have big wins, that ha- but, but also have a loss, are not punished. Uh, they're not afraid to, you know, stick to teams with the big wins over the teams with fewer losses, if that makes sense over over the airwaves. But they're coming out tonight, and we got one question. So, so you know, we got one question about Oklahoma being ahead of Michigan. Uh, Steve, if I if I remember correctly from our pre-show discussion, you think Michigan should be number four ahead of LSU ahead of Oklahoma, ahead of Georgia, all one-loss teams with, uh, I don't know exactly how many top 25 wins they all have, but they, they have some. It's A couple of them are against each other. So you think Michigan should be number four? And, and if so, what's the, uh, what's the rationale for you? I think the debate is obviously Michigan or LSU. It'd be a crime if Oklahoma was ranked ahead of Michigan, in my opinion. Um, I mean, who has Oklahoma beat? Nobody. And they barely escaped against Army. And they barely escaped, I believe, was it Iowa State that gave them a game, too? Which Iowa uh, they State, won by 10, and it was on the road. And Iowa State looks fine, but yeah. No, not that, not that impressive. So um, I think LSU-Michigan is the big debate. But again, that'll, you know, that's kind of the ironic, you know, we, we, Actually, almost like I wouldn't say we argued, but we we argued. <laughs> got a little heated, more heated than it normally does. The, the, the thing is, is that that'll all be decided uh, after Saturday because if yeah. LSU was to beat Alabama, then there's no doubt LSU should be ahead of Michigan. Then the question I think would be, provided if Michigan is able to beat Penn State, I think then the question becomes, should Alabama be ahead of Michigan? Um, they will be regardless if they win or lose because they're Alabama. And this goes back to what we talked about earlier in the year about Alabama, regardless of the fact that if they lose on Saturday, they will have lost against maybe the only legitimate team that they have played this year. Right. Uh, is going to get every opportunity to get in the playoff because they're Alabama. And because they've won in the past, people believe that they will win. Will it be the, one of the four best teams with the opportunity to win it all again? So if you're a Michigan fan, you do not want LSU to win on Saturday because all of a sudden you have, and yeah, and you talk about Georgia, who's in the driver back in the driver's seat in the East. Um, all of a sudden you have three SEC teams there that are probably going to be in the top, what seven at worst, if not six. Right. And they'll and you know and they'll do what they can. Uh, this is my tinfoil hat thing, but I mean I think they'll do what they can to get two of those teams in if, if at all possible. So. I think you want Alabama to beat LSU. Um, you probably want them to beat them badly for yeah, the residual want, effect of Georgia. 
you want Alabama to run the table, really? Because yes. you don't, you wouldn't want them to lose to Georgia in the SEC champ. That'd be the that'd be the worst case scenario. <laughs> Again, this is all this is all provided, you know, if Michigan can win out, which is far from a certainty and mm-hmm. a very tall task. But um, but okay. yeah, heading into tonight, I I don't know. I I just I think Michigan should be maybe slightly ahead of LSU. I do think it's close, and when, even when we argued, I I maybe didn't say. I do think it's close. I just I like. It's it's not. I guess this is what I'd say. The counterbalance. You can say that LSU might have a couple, one or two wins that maybe are a little bit better, but I think the fashion that Michigan continues to win in, which is dominant, uh, I think should play a little bit of a role. I know Wisconsin's not what maybe we thought Wisconsin would be, but Michigan also like beat the living crap out of them, worse than teams ever beat Wisconsin. Right. Um, and Michigan State on the road all of a sudden looks like a much better win given that they were able to beat Purdue on Saturday and uh, they've beaten Penn state on the road. Um, And again, they didn't just beat Michigan state. They pretty much dominated that game. That's a game that could have been like 42 to seven instead of 21 to seven outside of some missed red zone opportunities. So, uh, you know, it was a game that all in all, if you remove the voodoo, of that rivalry was a win that Michigan pretty much dominated that game from start to finish. So um, again, against a ranked team on the road. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> and I, I, did they get back into the rankings this week? I didn't even no, know. They're four, four spots out. Okay. Well, you know, but, but you're, teams, but the but thing, you know what I mean though? Yes. And, and what, you know, and that's, that's why Michigan is fifth, you know, cause they were sitting at 12th when they were, uh, five and one, you know. I think they were twelfth in the rankings, and then they beat Wisconsin and move up six spots, and then they beat Michigan State and are like solidly in the top five. If you look at the way the votes are, one thing I'm really curious about is how, if the college football playoff does conference favoritism, because I know Big Ten fans and people from the Midwest love to cry SEC bias, and and I do think. It definitely happens in like among AP voters who are voting like eighteen through twenty five. Like I think people are just like, oh, a six and three SEC team, they're in. You know, like it's just I, you know, like like that's how teams like Missouri and I'm with you a little bit on Mississippi State and like uh, you know if other teams pop in there once in a while, Vanderbilt once in a while go in there, Ole Miss, uh, <laughs> you know, so that's. I do think there's some bias there, but I I don't I'm I'm very curious because technically the way you look at it, if you're looking at Power Five non-conference records, the Big Ten didn't do itself very many favors. You know, Northwestern lost to Duke and lost to they might go zero and three in non-conference play if they if they can't beat Notre Dame. You know, they might lose to Duke, Notre Dame, and Akron. Purdue lost to Missouri and Eastern Michigan. Michigan State lost to Arizona State. You know, Ohio State, probably the the flagship team for the Big Ten, you know, heading into non-conference play. they Their win over Purdue, or I'm sorry, not over Purdue, over TCU doesn't look very good. Michigan lost to Notre Dame. Wisconsin lost to BYU. I mean, you can you can kind of see where, you know, Nebraska lost to everybody. Uh, you can kind of see where the Big Ten might get dinged up. That said, as I... I since our since our spat uh, before the show, I, one thing that I will say is I think they are going to look at how Michigan beat teams, and they are going to say, okay, well, there's not a more forgivable loss in the country than a one-touchdown loss at Notre Dame in the first game of the season with a new quarterback, new-ish yep. offense. So I think, I think for Michigan fans, I think— Who is undefeated. Right. Still. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and they haven't always looked pretty, but they, they haven't lost either. They're going to be in the top three. Uh, right. And so so I mean you know you could say oh neutral site that maybe that's a coin flip game. Now you and I would probably think that Michigan would win, but like the national perspective might be that it's a agreed it's a coin flip game. I I will say one thing, Michigan fans. I really do think if they beat Penn State and they beat Ohio State and they win the Big Ten. It does not matter what anybody else does. Like it's if for Mich- I think Michigan is one of the few teams where it is just incredibly simple. You know, if they win the rest of their games, if they're twelve and one, I really 
I would be stunned, truly stunned, if they were not um, in the playoff. I agree. So in that case, really, because yeah. their two best resume boosters are still on their schedule. Yeah, yeah, technically. I mean, the highest-ranked teams, the best teams in the ESPN FPI, the best teams in the S&P ratings. Yeah, my, so... I, you know. My beef is, like, this is where, like, you know, we talk about the SEC. It's like, this is where preseason polls just poison the, like, log- the thinking from people. Like, I'm just looking at the AP, the preseason poll. The SEC had five teams in there, but they also had... Or, no, sorry, the coaches' polls even better. They had five teams ranked in the top 25 to begin the season, but then they also had the 26th, 27th, and 29th teams in the country huh. in the in the preseason coaches poll in the SEC. And what it does is it sets up a deal where and what's exactly happened is that these teams basically ping pong in and out of the in and out of the bottom of the rankings yeah. all season long, so that it looks like oh, Alabama beat. Texas A&M by four touchdowns and Texas A&M right now is the only three loss team in the polls, which to me is just an artificial resume booster to Alabama right now, because I do not think Texas A&M is one of the 25 best teams in the country. They've done nothing to prove they're one of the 25 best teams in the country. Um, you know, and, and I, that's, I guess I've always been so anti preseason poll because it just, it does, it makes every, like, you know, it's not like Ohio state's win against, preseason ranked 16th TCU looks any good right now, you know, mm-hmm. um, or uh, LSU beating my eight preseason eighth Miami. I mean, that win doesn't look that great anymore. I mean, Miami's not any good. They're it's not a, it's a team. okay win, but yeah, it's not great. Not what it, not what it's probably going to be purported to be when you watch, if anybody even watches the rankings released today, I'm sure it'll be purported as like a, you know, major out of conference, victory you know even though Miami's no longer ranked or beating I mean that's the thing about LSU They're, they beat preseason eighth Miami who's no longer ranked they beat preseason ninth Auburn who's no longer ranked well uh, but see here's where the interconference play goes because like Auburn yeah they're no longer ranked I don't think they're very good but they have a win over Washington and Washington has is it, Washington even ranked aren't they almost, no no they're out of the rankings but what I'm saying yeah. is like like you're looking at a scenario where it's like, oh, well, the SEC has this record against the Pac-12, and they're not they're not pulling up these numbers, but the right. general perception can be like, you know, as you said, the preseason polls, preseason polls thought Auburn and Washington were t- two top ten teams. Now right. they both look kind of kind of poopy. They so both got three you know, losses, right? And yeah, so, so I don't know. I, it yeah, just gets into that. We could just, you know, this would be like one of those endless things. I just, I think as things stand now, I think. I like what Michigan's done a little bit more, but again, LSU's destiny's in their hands too. So, you know, if they win on Saturday, you have no choice but to say that LSU should not just be ahead of Michigan. But I think at that point, LSU would have a legitimate claim at at number one when you consider how much of a joke Clemson's schedule is. You know, even if they are undefeated. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I think Michigan should be number four today. I suspect they'll be number five. Uh, I, I would imagine that LSU will probably be ahead of them. And again, I can see the case. I don't agree with it. What I'm more interested to see, and I think someone brought this, I think that was what the original question was. Like an Oklahoma? If, yeah, if Oklahoma's ahead of Michigan, then I don't know, man. I mean, I don't see any indi- any reason or any logic at how that could possibly be the case. Uh, as great, as good as I think Oklahoma actually probably is, their resume just doesn't do anything to... Um, you know, this is where the Big 12 really hurts themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there's there's nothing. Texas is the only – you could argue that Texas outside, we said Iowa State's solid. Um, but I, that's as far as I'd go. I think they're solid. I don't think they're, like, great. Um, that's their by far their best win probably. You got Florida Atlantic, whatever. You got UCLA, who's terrible. Iowa State, as we said, is solid. Army, I don't know if Army's any good or not this year. Yeah, they're – they're okay. It, like what, six and three ish? Something like that. Yeah, they got beat by Duke and Oklahoma. So Oklahoma still needs to beat West Virginia. I mean, they're just like I Michigan, where they still have that it, yeah. that one win. If they win that one game, then I yeah, do but think Michigan's it's got a debate. Two of those. You could yeah. argue like that's the thing is like. Well, would, Oklahoma would, would right have. Yeah. Michigan's got what? At least, at least 
two wins that are better than Oklahoma's best win right now, and they have Penn State this week, and they still have Ohio State. Right. You know, Oklahoma would basically be leaning almost fully on West Virginia. And, and then the winning the Big 12 up. and playing right. West Virginia well, that they'd probably, again. they'd probably play West Virginia again, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, so, yeah. So, yeah, that's what I mean when I say, like, I really don't think Michigan fan if, – if Michigan loses again, they're not in the playoff picture. And if they don't lose again, I think they're – I would almost guarantee they're in the playoff. You know, I think – there are semantics here and there, but you know, I th- I sense that a team that beat that didn't lose after September first and that beat several teams with winning records because Michigan's resume is quietly getting a little bit better. It looks like West or Western Michigan's going to be bowl eligible. It looks like SMU might be heading toward that. You know, even you know again Northwestern. That win looks better. We'll talk about the Big Ten West in a moment. You know, Maryland's probably going to make a bowl game. By the way, as after we started the podcast, DJ Durkin will be yep. announced. He'll be reinstated. Um, no one asked about it, so <laughs> we don't need to talk too much about it. But you know, there's going to be some some teams with with winning records, and that was I feel like that was kind of missing from Michigan's schedule, not in a playoff picture sense, but it was kind of missing from the schedule. And as far as a proving, like the 2016 Michigan team. I felt like wasn't tested until it faced. Well, I guess you could argue, you know, Penn State, Wisconsin, and and uh, in Colorado, but like you know, they never had like a Northwestern type game, and their their low level games, Maryland was not very good. Uh, you know, Central Florida was not especially good. So I I don't know. I feel like their resume is in good shape, and I just think it would be hard to deny them if they didn't lose again. So. That's the thing. How is the Maryland is the Maryland win like how they just obliterated Maryland? Like they beat Texas and Texas beat yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah. No, I like it's like that that that's a win that like I think Oklahoma would kill to have a win like that on their resume right now. <laughs> I mean, they're only they all they got is te- like they got nothing. You know, yeah. that's where it's like, you know, that's a, a a a game like Maryland where Maryland is 5 and 3 granted they I don't know. Uh, Maryland's got Michigan State, Ohio State, and Penn State still, so they could easily be, uh, you know, looking. Yeah, you know, great for optics. Than they that do now. Durkin will come yeah. back right for the big games. Yeah. But you know, Boy, and, and, I can't believe that. Oh, yeah, I well, yeah, we'll we'll see how it all goes because you know you also don't get to pick your schedule, but you do right. get to pick how you look in that schedule. And so you know, would UCLA beat Maryland right now? I would. Think so, and and Oklahoma beat UCLA forty nine twenty one. So you think UCLA would beat Maryland right now? Yeah, I don't know about that, man. Ooh, that UCLA whistle on the mic looks... is tough. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. But we'll know. see. I we'll think, see how it all Maryland shakes out. One thing, one thing that could factor in if Michigan continues to win, uh, which again we I'm I'm not quite sold on Michigan winning out. I'm not quite there yet, but. You know, one thing to keep in mind as well, and since we got a question about it, uh, I don't remember what we predicted from the Big Ten West last week. I I can't remember what we said. Um, but obviously, the Big Ten West is get going a little nuts right now. You know, mm-hmm. Northwestern Northwestern is in the lead. Wisconsin has now lost twice, and including one to Northwestern, so they're back two games effectively in that scenario. Uh, Iowa is is right there in the mix as well. Um, Purdue is three and two, so they have a lot of games left. I mean, they they have to win out if they want to do it, but they get, I believe, they get Iowa and Wisconsin at home, mm-hmm. and so you know who knows? Maybe they sneak into that conversation. Uh, do you remember what we predicted last week? I uh, I think probably Wisconsin. I'm guessing. I mean, I th- I feel like, I felt like Iowa. But I, you're, I don't know. I, I lose. That is the thing about the big time. You kind of lose track right now because it's like it has it, it's flipped every week. I mean, Northwestern's in the driver's seat right now because uh, they get you know they don't even play a conference game this Saturday. They get Notre Dame, mm-hmm. but then yeah, they that that at Iowa like Northwestern at Iowa that probably, probably decides it. This. Yeah, yeah, because because then then uh, Northwestern has Minnesota and Illinois, and you would expect, granted. 
that's a thing. It's hard. Mm, you, you I think those are two race. teams you're safe expecting. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, Northwestern also just beat Rutgers by a field goal. Two yeah, ago. yeah, and then turned you around know, and like, beat and, Wisconsin, and, the the and, Badgers, Michigan's number right. two win by could, <laughs> double digits. You could argue, you could argue that they stole one against Nebraska too. You know what I mean? Like yeah. two of the conference's worst teams, they've barely beaten. So um, I don't know. Maybe they're coming together at the right time, but. Maybe you know, Wisconsin I, I really needed Hornerbrook that badly. I don't know. I, 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 here's the thing: is like I, I don't see. I would, I would suspect that Northwestern. I think Iowa at home in November. Um, I would give Iowa the advantage in that game. I would too. You know, I would pick then, Iowa. So there's still this weird, like it, it could still very easily be Wisconsin. I don't know. This is the thing. I look at these schedules. They all still play each other. Wisconsin still plays Purdue at Purdue. Iowa's got Purdue and Northwestern still. You know, it's like I, it's just it's hard. It's like almost impossible to predict it right now because there's so many possibilities. Especially because, like I said, I don't think you can just pencil Northwestern in there. I don't think you can you pencil know? Northwestern against anybody. Right. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So yeah. So you know, that's where it's like if this was like. Put it this way: If Wisconsin was a team sitting at five and one right now, we'd be penciling Wisconsin into the into Indy. I'm almost certain of it. But with Northwestern being the top team right now, and you got three three teams that I would argue that when they play their best ball are better than Northwestern and Wisconsin, Iowa, and Purdue. When they're all like still right there, I just don't know how you can predict it. I mean, they like I said, they all still pretty much have like a round robin tournament here well know, the so. the one difference is northwestern ha- is two and zero against those teams True. you know and, and so they have the tiebreaker over purdue they have the tiebreaker over wisconsin but something worth noting if three teams tie for first it's the best overall record and that goes yeah. to iowa and so so i'm gonna predict iowa i think they're gonna beat i i believe they'll beat northwestern at home i think they'll beat purdue at Purdue, and if they drop one and it's a three-way tie, it's gonna be, it's gonna go to the team with the best overall record. That's where Northwestern's lost to Akron and lost to Duke and most poss- high possibility lost to Notre Dame uh, stick out. So man, what a weird, what a weird division that has become. Because you know it was it was one thing when it's like Wisconsin and a, a bunch of teams that were like that, but now Wisconsin. Partly due to injuries, partly due to attrition, it appears, you know, they're in that same boat too, and it's just, it's, it's just nuts. I, I, it almost makes you wish the Big Ten would do a, um, like its own selection committee and pick <laughs> the best, the best two teams and just have them face off for the Big Ten title. But sure. yeah, uh, well, or, I mean, and yeah. here's the thing: if if Penn State was, to, if Michigan's to lose to Penn State on Saturday, that throws the east kind of into a you know i mean i guess it would put ohio state yeah sort of in the driver's seat but i mean we don't really know what to think about ohio state right now at least i don't i i, I suspect that they're going to answer the bell and they'll probably destroy nebraska on saturday just based on history but i think they're more susceptible to not destroying nebraska as they would have in years past in this situation um Pivotal bye week. I mean, that's everything for them. Right, right. I agree. And it's, it's, you know, because, hey, man, like, they have still have to go to East Lansing. They do. I don't and think they have to, to, that's not a cakewalk for them. That's always been a tough – they've always struggled in East Lansing. Um, and that's if Michigan State stinks or if they're good. I mean, even when Michigan State went 3-9, and nine, I believe Ohio State barely won that game when they played. Yeah, it was like a one a touchdown. One that was like the same thing as Michigan versus Indiana, though, where it was like – just the crappiest weather in the right, whole world. Right, right, <laughs> I know. But still, it's always a kind of a place where I think they've had a little bit of odd struggles or whatever. But, yeah, I don't know. Big Ten's really well, you don't as, but... as you said, you don't trust Ohio State in any road game right now. Not right now. Because they got know. beat down by Purdue. That was just a weird... Very weird, a weird game. game. You know, and, and I think I'm pretty much ready to call it an, an exception or an anomaly-type game, but... I don't know Michigan State just beat Purdue the next week, so it's not like this is a, it's not like it's this unique rare event. It's not like 
uh, Ross Aide Stadium in West Lafayette is like the house of horrors that Kinnick is or or something right. like that. You know, like you can't you don't get to really chalk it up to much other than the team just wasn't ready to play. So, hmm. yeah, 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 very, very interesting to watch uh, again. You know, Akron and Eastern Michigan beating Purdue and Northwestern really hurts the Big Ten a lot. I mean, those those two, you know, you can talk about the Power Five wins, but man, when two of the best, two like high likely division winners lost to MAC teams at home, yep. it's yep. just it's hard to hard to sit there and say, oh, the Big Ten is you know this conference like like you know before the season everyone's like oh big 10 might be the best conference i don't think you can say that now um, now i uh, i'm still torn on it i just because I, I i think it's it's either the big 10 or the sec still though i mean the pac-12 the acc and the and big 12 are, are all garbage yeah in my opinion i mean you know, and again, I think it's we're looking at a similar deal here where let's say Alabama blows LSU out on Saturday. It's going to be the same deal as it's been for like the last five years is that Alabama is basically carrying, you know, is the water carrier for the mm-hmm. SEC. And, it, and everyone's like, oh, they're the best conference. Well, really, it, when we're in reality, they might not be. They just have a team that their top team is just a lot better than everybody else is, you know, and so. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to. Yeah, it's Pac-12. You're right, though. Like it's like almost like I don't know. Is there? Yeah. Washington State and Utah are leading their each respective division right now. They're the only ranked teams. If I I think Stanford might have snuck in. I don't know, but it's they don't look very good either. Like a dud. Oregon looks like a dud all of a sudden again, even though they have a like a top five pick at quarterback. Well, he was out. Um, so, or he had, oh, a, he didn't play. Uh, it tells you how much uh, I pay this stuff. So he might've played some, but he he's in concussion protocol right now. So yeah, he was not part of that whole thing, but, uh, Cal, huh? yeah. So I don't know. This is where like, I would love more intra power five games during the season. Like I would almost like for conferences to mandate two of them. You know, or 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 I I'm every time I think about it, I'm like more sold on a 16 team playoff because then you can kind of like sense like which teams actually which conferences actually are good because like they all play each other year in and year out. Like the bowl records are are somewhat of a factor, but like you know the people at the top matter, and it's like we have no idea if Ohio State year in year out is as good as say a Georgia. Because Ohio State wasn't in the playoff last year, so they didn't even get to, you know, have a chance to show if they were good enough. I don't know. Lots of lots of things. But we can move on. We can focus more on Michigan. Uh, got a got a got a good amount of questions, and let's let's see, let's hit some some of these more lightning rounds. Uh, this one comes from Troy Vugtiven. Uh, who has been the most surprising player this year on Michigan, either playing better than you expected or not living up to the hype? And we talked about this last week. I don't. There aren't too many players who haven't met the hype. I guess that's what happens when you're the number five team in the country. Uh, you know, aren't aren't too many question marks. Has anyone? Because because you know some of the players that that have been breakout players, Uche, Dwumfor, you know Higdon taking the next step, Donovan Peoples Jones, like that stuff was kind of foretold Nico Collins kind of foretold in fall camp is there any player that either given what you knew or or kind of taking what you knew, knew but maybe having a grain of salt any player that's really surprised you or, or one or two players I mean I think Josh Metellus I think he's playing at yeah. an all-conference level right now yeah I think so too that, yeah right heading into fall camp there was question or not whether or not he'd even win the job and then you get into Notre Dame, he makes that, you know, the, the target, it has the targeting call right away. And you like think, okay, well, that might be it for him. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as like, that's, you know, that's a kind of a ruined opportunity there to seize your job. And then, you know, you make kind of a pivotal mistake there, but he's more than answered since then. I mean, I think he's been one of the better players on the team, not just on the defense over the last like five or six weeks. Yeah. He's uh, probably in your top 10 players. 
which Absolutely. I don't think anyone. I don't know if he even made our made our top twenty five most important players list in the off season. Uh, I don't know if he did or not. Again, I think this, he might have been twenty five, but yeah, right. Because there was that uncertainty though about whether or not he'd even win the job. Uh, so I think his emergence has been uh, still even understated. You know, as far as like he's been great in against the pass, but he's excuse me, he's also been excellent against the run too. Mm-hmm. Uh, numerous plays if you go back and watch where he's setting the edge forcing backs back into the teeth of the defense which is what he's supposed to do uh just really been a guy i think whose emergence has been as pivotal for this defense this year as anything has i mean again remember safety's getting picked on in coverage has always been kind of the achilles heel or the perceived achilles heel of the defense um he hasn't really given up much and he's while still being able to play that aggressive style that he likes to play when he is in coverage, you know? So, you know, it's, I think his emergence has probably been more surprising, not saying I didn't think he was a guy that could have taken that, you know, like could have taken that job and kept it. Right. Uh, but, but he's been a really, he's just been really, really good though. Like way better than I think I thought he'd be. Yeah. I think uh, two surprises stick out. Will Hart. It's really hard to understate a 14 yard per punt improvement. Um, I, I I do want to acknowledge he's allowing about 10 yards per return. He does. He, I think only one fair catch has been called on his punts this season, which has got to be one of the nation's lowest. So I think I think Michigan did just tell him, "Hey man, just just send it as far as you can. Don't worry about hang time. Don't worry about direction." Because that's what I think that's what hurt him and and Brad Robbins last year. And Chris Partridge talked about this: the directional punting. You know, and kind of, you know, they were like, okay, let's slot it right here, right here. And it's like, well, then they punt it 37 yards and it doesn't do anybody any good. Or they shank it because, you know, they're, they're aiming a little too much. Anyone who's pitched a baseball kind of gets that, gets that mentality where it's like, oh, if you're really trying to pinpoint too much, you're not throwing strikes. And so, but also, you know, credit to him, there are not very many punters who improve by, 10 yards per punt in one off season. And, and if they are, they're usually scholarship players who were undercoached or underutilized, which I don't think is the, the case in either, either part of that sentence for Will Hart. So yeah, he's been a big surprise. And then offensive line, you could probably name all of them. I expected bigger things from Ben Bredesen and Cesar Ruiz. I did not think we would be talking about John Runyon Jr. and Jawan Bushell Beatty as top five offensive graded players, you know, on the team. You know, I did not I did not think we would talk about Michigan's pass protection as number two in the Big Ten behind Wisconsin. You know, I did not think that we would be talking about Michael and Wainu. I don't know if this is still the case. I don't think he is allowed a sack this year. You know, when I go and watch I I it's kind of unfair for me to like chart everything. It's also a lot of work uh, and a lot of rewatching for for not a lot of uh, production. But like you know, I don't I don't think Michael and Wainu is allowed a sack this year, which is you know Michael and Wainu they really liked him last year, but they really liked him in the run blocking. He was a great run blocker. He was not good in pass protection, and I think that anyone who looks at him can kind of see why. You know, run blocking is a lot about, especially when they do power running, but a lot of it's about movement for your size. You know, can you, what's your full speed like? Are you a bowling ball, wrecking ball type that's, that no linebacker wants to touch? Pass block, pass protection, you're kind of a little bit more on your heels, you know, and, and it does require a little bit more of a quickness rather than ultimate speed. So I think, I think he's someone that has really, taking a nice step and really the whole offensive line that's why they're number five that's why they didn't lose to Michigan State that's why they didn't lose at Northwestern probably had a lot to do with why they didn't lose to Wisconsin or Wisconsin didn't hang around because you know we talk about how dominant Michigan has looked in those games they didn't always look dominant you know they 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 were up by six against Wisconsin at halftime they were tied with Michigan State deep into the third quarter they we're down 17 nothing to Northwestern. But I think that offensive line, 
And the ability to go in the fourth quarter, I think, has been a big difference. So those are those are two those are my surprises. I guess that's technically four players, but I I say the unit of the offensive line, punter, disappointment. I it's hard for me to sit here and think of a disappointment that, um, maybe you know because everyone everyone who I I can think of who hasn't performed up to expectations, I feel like was injured like Chris Evans or technically Rashawn Gary or I'm trying to think who else. I mean, I think early on you could have looked at the the cornerbacks and thought about maybe they, they aren't doing what they're, what they were expected given the, the hype we, around but, them. But we predicted that. Remember we said going into the year, like it's going to be really hard to just assume they're going to repeat the statistical output they had last year just yeah. because last year was so strong. Well, um, and they were facing a lot of, piss poor offense passing offenses that too. yeah that too you know and so um disappointment i mean so what do you I, say about someone like Khalid Hudson cuz you know we kind of warned about him too like he's probably not going to get 18 and a half tackles for loss although i think you predicted him to lead the team in yeah, tfls I, yeah, um I, yeah thanks <laughs> um, not in like a you were wrong ha 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 but like just you know what no, I, know. I don't know i don't know what to make of him because I feel like he's someone that if there was like a stat for like did you do the right play, I feel like he'd be pretty good on the team with that. It just hasn't I just don't think they've sent him to the quarterback as much. I don't think he's been the guy that was supposed to get the sack as much. I think that's yeah, I agree there. I think that you're right. I think he's doing what they're asking him to do. Uh which is yeah, be more of a second level kind of safeguard. Yeah. You know, because he is so fast. He doesn't miss many tackles. Um, obviously, he's got the strength. So, yeah, I mean, statistically, I guess you'd say he's been disappointing. But as far as what he's actually doing for the defense, I don't think he – It's you know, again, yeah. I mean, they're the number one total defense right now by 40 yards a game <laughs> over Clemson, I think. It's at the – Yeah. Let me look here. Yeah. When they lead Michigan, yards per play, total defense, pass defense, passing yards per attempt, completion percentage, the top ten in every run defense category. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Michigan's Michigan's yielding two hundred and twenty yards per game. The next closest team is Miami at two sixty one. <laughs> that's the same. Did we talk about this last week? That so that's a there's a bigger difference between Michigan at number one and Miami to number two than there is from Miami at number two to Washington at number 12. Wow. Uh, well, and, so, and I, Penn State and Ohio State are the best offenses they f- they'll face all year, but it's not like that stat was built on nothing. Maryland has an offense that's prolific. Nebraska is starting to look like they have, a, have an offense that can move the ball. Michigan Wisconsin, State, Wisconsin are okay at it at least. I mean, they're not well, like... Wisconsin averaging more yards per game than Penn State is right now. So, granted, Penn State's played eight. Wisconsin hasn't hit their bye week yet, but still. Or uh, reverse, sorry. Penn State has not had their bye week yet. So, um, And, I, th- you know, has Penn State played better defenses? I mean, what would happen if Wisconsin played Michigan State? Right. I don't know. I agree. Lots, lots of little semantics there, but the defense has been – it'd be really hard to sit there and say anyone on the defense because if they're all if – if you're playing starter-level snaps – <laughs> you're obviously a part of that elite defense. And I think you could say similar stuff about the offense. I This might be a debate that we have in a moment, but, you know, they're 33rd in yards per play. I don't know. Is there, is there a player that stands out that, especially at the starter level, I don't think there's been a starter that's been, hasn't hasn't lived up to the hype, unless, unless you thought Shea Patterson was going to throw for 300 yards a game. Right. Well, I mean, they haven't even they haven't really even needed him to. to yeah. Do that yet. So, so that's it. And that's where I go back to when I say like, you know, even some people, I think their offense is 50th or 51st right now overall as far as total offense. But so many of their games have been out of hand mm-hmm. in the second half that they haven't really needed to. You know, even against Michigan State, they were running the ball the entire fourth quarter. Against Wisconsin, they threw the ball for four yards in the entire second half. You know, and and we'll see. Obviously, we'll see what happens this week. But there's just and a lot of you know. And that's the other thing about some of their defensive output too. 
those are just the raw numbers. I would have to imagine that a decent amount of those defensive numbers have come in garbage time. I think Maryland scored a late useless touchdown. I think Wisconsin drove the ball about 75 yards when it was 38 to seven. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to see what the defensive numbers are if you removed uh, garbage time from some of those stats because it is. I mean, that's just a fact. You know, well. like I said, I think Wisconsin was about an 80, 80 yard drive, you know, in the late when the game was well out of hand. I mean, what's their total yardage in that game without that? I mean, it's next to nothing. So you could say that for a few teams. Alabama comes to mind. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, Alabama's whole, that's, I I agree there. I mean, Alabama's almost their whole season has been garbage time so far. So, you know, I, I agree. It's almost hard to take any numbers that Alabama has put up at all against anybody seriously, because it's they're. I mean, they were so bad when they played Tennessee last week. I remember we were watching the game. We flipped it on and first play I said, yeah, they're going to score a touchdown here. And, Sure enough, <laughs> Jerry Judy opened by like 15 yards. There's like nobody on the nobody on the TV screen with him when he caught the ball. You know, and they scored a touchdown. It's just insane what they're doing. But so I agree. Yeah, S and P rankings. Football Outsiders does it. It's probably a good one. I know ESPN does a garbage time factored efficiency rating as well. I think Michigan is third in defense there. S and P has Michigan number one by uh, a point and a half. Or 1.7 yeah. points. So, so again, pretty about as dominant as ever. I mean, you know, you can tell Don Brown, <laughs> he almost sounds like he has like a twinkle in his eye when he talks about this defense and how it's coming together. Because, you know, here we have another question, and we can transition into this. What position group, if any, are you concerned about in the next one to two years? And I think heading into the season, you would have said, well, safety, uh, you know, offensive line. You know, you could you could probably see a couple scenarios where, I mean, those those were weaknesses you thought Michigan had. Uh, you know, receiving game, special teams in in some areas, and so, yeah. Is there any position group you're concerned about? I think because you know, one to two years that also kind of factors in a little bit of 2019 recruiting, a little bit of who's who's a freshman right now and it's it's going to emerge uh, you know and then also you know I mean cuz right now I don't think there are there is a concern I think the general concern is can they can they beat teams it's not oh is Ohio State going to torch the safeties or oh is you know Penn State's defensive line going to well they're actually a little bit of a concern but you know right. is there are they going to you know put Michigan's offensive line on its back all night and so yeah, position group concerns, one to two years. I think, I think uh, you know, defensive. Well, defensive end, but like you know, it's just people keep answering the answering the bell. I I don't know if there is a a outright concern. I I think offensive line is probably probably because I've covered Michigan for so many years. You know, offensive line is just a perpetual like, oh, I wonder what that's going to look like. All right. Uh, maybe um, maybe linebacker just because you don't know how many year how many Devin Bushes or Bush type players you're gonna get. See, I see. I look at linebacker and I see two high level returning starters next year. I'd be shocked if Hudson left. Um, I based on you know Barrett moving from Viper to receiver and right. and uh, uh, who who transferred Singleton transferring. Yeah, I'm with you. I think think linebacker. You're probably good. I feel like that cupboard's stocked. I the one here's the one position. I guess. What about cornerback? And the only reason I say that is is because, and I don't again concern just has such a negative connotation to it. But you know, I could see both starters leaving this year. I I you do? almost yeah okay definitely. I mean, I think David Long is a borderline first round pick. Or will play himself into that position. Oh, I haven't seen that draft, yet. Okay. By the time the draft comes around, and I just instinct tells me that Lavert will probably move on after this year too. Nothing concrete on that, but just I could see it happening. Um, hmm. Okay. Good. You know, good to know. I think you're the first person I've heard mention that lately. Well, I know Jordan Lewis has even insinuated such on Twitter. He knows those guys really, really well. I think he knows that they can play in the league. So. 
and and, and with, when he's tweets stuff like that, I kind of pay attention because, you know, I'm, I know these guys are always in contact with each other and stuff. So, plus, like I said, I think both are capable of playing in the NFL. Um, again, that's, let's just say if that does happen. If it happens, then, then that's a concern. Yeah. <laughs> right. It, well, but it'd be, even if we knew it was happening, you know, it is, it's just the, it's just more of a fear of the unknown as far as you suspect that they have guys that are ready behind them. They just haven't had the opportunity because they're playing against two all conference level guys, but you just don't know. I mean, we heard a lot about good things about Vincent Gray. Uh, Ambry Thomas obviously is a guy that they have high hopes for. Sims, um, yeah. Jamon Green, yeah. Sims, you don't. We don't know about Saint Juiced still. Um, so my thought is because oh. I think that's like the one position. Because someone tweeted at me a couple weeks ago and was like, "Oh, what do you think of the depth at cornerback?" And I was like, "Well." It's like the one position where they haven't really cycled in new guys in the blowouts. You know, I think I think you know because they were trying to get Pay Hutchinson, you know, Uche, uh, you know, some guys, some guys inside. You know, it seems like every position we've seen that second flight at least once. I don't think we've seen it at corner. Right. But you're right. If they, I mean, so then suddenly if they lose three starting cornerbacks because Brandon Watson will be moving on. Yeah, if, if if they lose all three, I think that's a sincere concern. And then and then you, you ask how many how many times can Zordich replace his entire sec, uh, cornerback unit? <laughs> right, that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So um so that would be the I guess that's the first position that comes to mind just because I see both starters jetting as a possibility. Not saying it's a certainty, far from it. I just, I could see it happening. And then I, then I think that becomes, you know, given the high standard of play that Michigan has, you know, for the last three years, you could not I just kind of lean on it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's almost become kind of an assumption, you know. And so, um, so that, that'd be the otherwise, I, I don't know. You know, they'll have the, every receiver comes back next year except for Perry. Mm-hmm. Um, tight end. I don't see either of those two guys. Obviously, McKinnon you know, will be back. I don't see Gentry leaving early. At least I feel like Gentry could take off. I could. I would have put Gentry is more likely to take off than Hill or Long, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Especially since Gentry will have his degree. Right. You know he, he'll True. he'll he, he's done his four years. Um, he just redshirted one of those years. So, yeah, yeah. I mean. Tackle, just again, probably a fear of the unknown and uh, tackle, yeah. a little Especially, bit of a residual effect of the last eight years at tackle. <laughs> right. But, I mean, the way Runyon Jr. is playing right now, you kind of have a got to be some, you know, comes down to right tackle, which that's where the loss of Hudson kind of maybe throws a hiccup into things. But do you wonder uh, if he transferred? I, I don't know what any details about it, but, you know, Sometimes when these players transfer, it's a sign that they think someone else is ready to, you know. Well, we know Mayfield was the guy in waiting at left. Yeah. Now, whether or not that means that maybe he'll shift to right instead, because it's hard to imagine Runyon losing the job now. Right, Uh, right. You know, or that it could be Stuber. You know, it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to say with the decisions there. I still, again, my opinion is that it was a kind of a knee-jerk decision, but, um, but we'll see. So another another thing that not a, not a great segue, but something else. One more Michigan topic to discuss before um, before we move on to Penn State. But it maybe has a little bit to do with Penn State. In fact, I'll I'll make it have to do with Penn State. So Penn Live, David Jones wrote an article talking about how uh, and and we're not going to discuss the article because I think the pre- precipice of the article has some flaws that I don't agree with. But I think that um, the one thing that the gist of the article was that James Franklin has a higher ceiling than Jim Harbaugh because Jim Harbaugh runs an old school, you know, run, 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 pass if you need to kind of offense. We've talked about it. They haven't, they haven't, Shea Patterson has yet to throw for over, uh, over 300 yards. I think if I'm not mistaken, he's averaging fewer than 200 yards passing per game. You know, Michigan is at his, as a team is ninety fourth in passing yards per game. They're they're top twenty five in efficiency, 
but they aren't throwing a lot. And so Tyler Patterson asked, you know, do you guys believe that Michigan will – I'm sorry, starting over. Tyler Patterson, do you guys believe that we will see more opportunities in regards to the offense, Michigan's offense, opening up throwing-wise? Seems like the passing game overall this season has been very limited at best. I get it. Some teams, you can just run it down their throat, so why pass? So he acknowledges what, what our immediate answer would be is like, well, if they can – if they only have to pass four times against Wisconsin and are going to outscore them 25 to six in the second half, well, they're not going to pass two, two bad things. Three things can happen when you pass two of them are bad, but I, I do wonder, Steven, we got another question kind of similar to that. We got a couple questions similar to that article. I, I don't want to talk Harbaugh versus Franklin. I don't think that's a very close conversation, but I do wonder like, should Michigan be better than 33rd in yards per play? Should they be better than, oh, what are they in S&P offense? 29th in offensive S&P. Should they be better than 50, whatever they are, 53rd, 54th in yards per game? Given the fact they have five-star quarterback, an offensive line that works, a all-Big Ten caliber running back, you know, high-profile recruits that are growing into their role at receiver, uh, tight end that I just mentioned probably could take off for the NFL after this year. I mean, are they? It, it, there's a few questions here, but would do you think we'll see more passing? How much more passing do you think is the right amount given what they've done so far? And then also, kind of moving forward, should that always be Michigan's plan to just kind of run out physical teams? Or do you think that maybe, given the nature of college football and how it's changing, we've seen Alabama kind of start their dual threat downfield passing game, you know, more of a more of a open risk taking offense than than what they won their first few national titles with? Uh, do you do you anticipate Michigan switching to that? I mean, I, I think they're. I think this may be partially by design still. Mm-hmm. Um, think about like, you know, they, they just started throwing in the zone read wrinkle against Wisconsin with Patterson keeping the ball, you know, like they hadn't been doing that all year. And I think it's cause they didn't really feel like they needed to. I think they're more than capable of passing the ball more often, but again, there's two things. One. Yeah. Like he, I mean, he already answered his own question when you can <laughs> run the ball as right. effectively as they have, you know, and then, coupled with that is I believe the you significantly lessen your chance of turning the ball over running the ball when you do when compared to when you're passing fumble rates are always lower than interception rates right and yeah. let or or fumbles caused by pressure on the passer too you know what I mean like yeah. there's just to be able to hand the ball off to your running back and let him run the ball or fullback or whoever you're giving it to you know, I feel like their chances of turn the ball over are much smaller combine that with the defense they have you know, I think right now they've been able to be content with the way they've approached things. Again, we're talking about, you know, they talk about offense. How many, you know, the the biggest Achilles for them offensively has just been in the red zone. They've they've been dominant uh, on the re- the rest of the field. You know, and how many missed opportunities? Have they, the three couple games, like even the the game against Northwestern, they were still able to come back and win. I mean that game could have been forty-two to seventeen. How mm-hmm. many times did they have to kick field goals in, instead of, of punching it in the end zone? Same with like we said with Michigan State in the first half. That game could have been thirty-five to zip at halftime if Michigan had capitalized on all the opportunities they had, especially when you consider the massive field position advantage they had throughout the entire half. So you I know, have so, some, some a couple quick stats to, that support your argument. They. We mentioned their top 30 offense in S&P and FEI, Football Outsiders. Uh, they, yeah, just overall their offensive footprint, top, at least top 40 in basically every way you measure it. But in from, 20, from the 21 to 30-yard line, their success rate ranks 103rd nationally. From the 11 to 20-yard line, their success rate ranks 115th nationally. So you're right. They are able to to move and mow and and you know, eat up clock and pick up yards. But I would imagine in some of these closer games that 
ranking outside the top 100 and in, in you know certain close to the end zone success rate that could come back to bite them and i wonder is the antidote cuz they they clearly like to run the ball but do teams are they more apt at stopping the run or predicting the run in the red zone and do they need to take more shots i don't know what the antidote is but but continue with your point cuz your the statistics support michigan is elite all the way into the 30-yard line, and then from there, it fizzles, or it has yeah. so far. Right, and that I think there's some law of the averages there where I think things will start to maybe they'll start to punch some of these in the end zone though too, right? Um, again, and with that defense, you know they are they're getting. I would assume that they're. I don't know if there's a statistic to measure. I don't know amount of drives that enter the red zone. Is that a that that you can uh, you could do look up i'll, I'll look it, it up while you go yeah but they've had but they have to be near the top of the country in that because yeah they're they're moving the ball consistently they haven't turned the ball over as much as they have in the past and again when you have that defense that's kind of the thing is that you one side you'd say yeah they need to punch some of these in the end zone the flip side of that is if they do punch a couple of these in the end zone they're going to be really really hard to beat uh no matter who they play and so you know that's where i However they get there, you know, again, I I do. I think it's been more of a necessity thing than it has been a a failure to have the ability to as far as passing the ball. Like I said, I think most of these – most games so far, again, you look at the fourth quarter, what they did up front running the football against Wisconsin and and Michigan State, uh, why pass the ball when you're running the ball that effectively? I mean, there's really just – there's really not much of a reason to, uh, you know – and in that regard, so. By the way, Michigan is third nationally. They have only allowed 15 red zone trips. Yep. And they yeah. have they oh. have allowed 11 touchdowns in those 15 trips. So maybe that's that's a critique. But I mean, they're allowing fewer than two trips into the red zone per game. Right. So so yeah, it just just kind of elite stuff. As far as my my take on this question. Uh, you know they're very efficient. I think I, as a, you know, if the game is tight and they need points, and maybe they're in the second quarter and they don't have as many points as they feel like they should have, I would personally like if I were drawing up the offense, I'd say okay, well, Shea Patterson, you can complete sixty-eight percent of your passes or whatever his completion rate is, but I'd probably rather you complete sixty-three or sixty-four percent and have 75 extra yards or maybe take a shot or two in the end zone. But I'm also not the coach, so so hard hard to say. Uh, it does seem, again, I think the article was flawed. I don't think Jim Harbaugh, I don't think this is his ceiling of a team. You know, I think if you want evidence for the contrary, look at Ohio State, look at Alabama. You know, Elite defenses, Clemson, elite defenses will carry you a long way, and the offensive identity – while you do want, there are better and worse offenses. Uh, you can do an awful lot if your defense is allowing 15 trips into the red zone. So, so yeah. Anyway, real quick, uh, we're gonna wrap it up. But the Penn State, Michigan preview. I uh, got a couple questions about stopping Trace McSorley. I just wrote an article about Michigan's thoughts on this because again, this is not this team. Saquon Barkley's not their running back. He's NFL Rookie of the Year front runner. Mike Jasicki is not their tight end. He's their he's the Miami Dolphins starting tight end. And and Deshaun Hamilton is like in the third string of the Broncos instead of on Penn State. Joe Moorhead isn't coach of in the offensive coordinator. He's the head coach of number 21 Mississippi State. So it's it's a different team, it's a different offense. Uh I'm of the belief with with you know, I think Miles Sanders is is pretty darn good, but I really think this is McSorley. You know, if you stop McSorley, you know, stop McSorley, stop the stop the team. I think it's that kind of situation. Uh, he has 697 sack adjusted rushing yards. He's got, I don't know, 12, 1600 passing yards, something in that neighborhood. Uh, he's third in Big Ten history behind Drew Brees and uh, JT Barrett in touchdowns in Big Ten history with 98. First, real quick. What do you see as the game plan UM will use to stop McSorley on runs? We mentioned he's averaging close to 100 rushing yards, sack adjusted. Also got a question. Uh, 
How does Penn State mitigate the loss of Barkley, Jasicki, and Hamilton? Does Sanders present the same matchup issues Barkley did last year? Real quick, I can say no to the no to the second part. But you know, they still have Jawan Johnson. They still have playmakers, but it definitely seems like this is a I know McSorley's got the piano on his back. So how does Michigan make sure he doesn't go anywhere? I mean, is this Devin Bush? I mean, is it that easy or could be. I mean, you know, Penn State's offensive line appears to be decent, but not great, right? Okay. So, I, I think, I mean, that's what Michigan State did. They pretty much keyed on McSorley and forced, and granted, they gave up two really long runs to Sanders, but um, but overall, though, they pretty much thwarted the Penn State running game, and I think that's the biggest reason Michigan State was able to go into Happy Valley and win that game, I would assume Michigan will probably do some of the same things Michigan State did. And they're a little uh, faster, so you'd think they'd be apt at r- doing it. Right. So, that, I mean, that'd be my knee-jerk reaction to that. Penn State, interesting team. Uh, I, I don't know. They, part of me thinks they're a, a weird, not great matchup uh, for Michigan, but part of me also thinks that this could be another sort of Wisconsin-ish game where Michigan's at home they're comfortable they could maybe if they get a like I feel like this is the type of game if Michigan can get out to a fast start which we talk about every week but this is one game specifically where I don't know if Penn State can throw the ball effectively enough to mitigate a slow start on the road like I think Penn State has to come out and play really well to begin the game to have a good shot because otherwise Michigan could run away with this game pretty quickly Uh, that's my over, uh, you know, bird's eye view of the game right now. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, I think there's some truth to that. And again, the the home thing is, I think, is a big factor. I mean, Penn State has played outside the, the their like two hour radius because they have that one game at Pitt. But you know, they've played on the road twice, and one was against Illinois, where they were kind of hanging around with Illinois before they outscored them thirty five nothing in the fourth quarter, and then there was. You know, the Indiana game where they won by five. And Indiana, I don't believe, has looked very good since. So I do think it is a little different when when they're not comfortable. As far as the plan, yeah, I mean, this is probably a big opportunity for Devin Bush. That's who they use as the spy man. You know, maybe they have Josh Ross do it in some situations. But um, it is a tricky balancing act for Michigan because – you know, I think last year Penn State showed, you know, they'll they'll let you blitz. They'll let you get right up in McSorley's face, but, you know, he'll find either a, a quick passing route or or run running kind of like a tunnel almost uh, to the first down. So, you know, I think, I think if they still had Joe Moorhead, I think Michigan would be on upset watch. But I, I think Don Brown... You know, he's mentioned this still haunts this him. This is still, Don Brown's revenge tour again. Yeah, he's driving. Yeah. He's driving this stop, and so, so yeah. I mean, he's he's thought about it every day. Uh, you know, he's an intense kind of weird guy, just like a lot of the players on his defense. But but I think I think there is something extra. I was trying to kind of talking to the players, and you know, not all of them said it, but you could get a sense that like this is this is one that they really want bad. At least the defense does. You know, I think I think the team wants all of them bad. But the defense didn't take kindly to Penn State kind of running up the score. They really felt like that was, I mean, they gave up 500 yards and 42 points. The amount of times Don Brown has done that and is in 123 games as a defensive coordinator, you could probably count on one hand. And so so it's just, and, and it's probably against national championship caliber teams when he was at Boston College, Maryland, UConn, things like that. So... Yeah, I think I think you you like Michigan's defense in this matchup thanks to coaching and thanks to personnel and a little bit of the experience too cuz this revenge tour maybe this is something we talk about next week. Uh revenge tour it's it's you know a lot of teams talk about like avenging losses but when you have so many returning starters and second string players it there's a little bit more truth to it. There's a little bit more of a sense of that. So so we'll see what happens. Steve, do you have a do you have a final prediction for the game? Not right now. I'll probably save it for the next piece this week. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to do that too because I didn't think of one. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to check it all out at the MichiganInsider.com. 
You can read all of our stories. I've got stuff on Don Brown. I've got stuff on McStorley. I've got stuff on the Revenge Tour coming in, in, in later today. Uh, basketball starting. We'll, you know, exhibition this week. They start their season next week, so we'll see how that goes. But plenty, plenty to watch, plenty to dissect, uh, plenty to go over. Should be fun. Check it all out. TheMichiganInsider.com, 247sports.com. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. 